Jeremiah chapter 23, we're in a series uh, called We Are Core Church. And if you missed any weeks, so this is the final week of the series. So uh, next week we start a new series called Get My Swag Back. Get My Swag Back. My favorite sermon series title of the year. Uh, so turn to somebody and tell them, I got to get my swag back. I got to get my swag back. <laughs> So if you missed any of this series, you can catch it on the podcast. Um, and uh, this series is really, um, if you're new, you're going to love it because this series is all about who we are as a church. Like, you know, why, why do we show up like this? Why do we worship like this? What's the point? Like baptism, why, why are we doing all this? And may even, sometimes you may even ask yourself, like, why am I following Jesus? What is it I'm supposed to be doing? There's some good news for you. Um, I think Jesus really narrowed it down for us. Uh, if you've been a part of this series, you know about 10 years ago, I was at a coffee shop and I was asking God that question, um, what do you want your church to do? What is this church supposed to look like? And uh, he led me to what's known as the great commandment. It's in the gospels. Jesus said this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, love your neighbor as yourself. Four things, it's just four things that we're supposed to be doing as a church, four things that we're supposed to be doing as followers of Jesus. We call these our core values. We're gonna put them on the screen like we have each, each uh, week. And I'd like for you to say these with me, okay? We find hope as we connect our hearts in worship. We receive healing as we offer our souls in surrender. We gain peace as we renew our minds in relationship. And we discover purpose as we engage our neighbors through serving. Man, last week, purpose, I, I wasn't able to be here, but the podcast, oh my goodness. Monica brought it. What an incredible story. Um, how many of you went through Discover this morning that you're in this service, you went through Discover? Okay, a lot of you did. We're gonna have another one coming up in November. You, you're already discovering and opening that door to what God's purpose is for your life. Today I wanna talk, I wanna back up, I wanna go back to number three. And we gain peace as we renew our minds in relationship. So in this series, we're in Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 23. I've uh, been every day reading as a church through the books of Jeremiah. I don't know how you've been doing on that, but it's pretty challenging because Jeremiah had a really rough road. He was, if you, let me catch up to speed, he was a prophet. God had given him a message that was not favorable with the people. They were messed up. And he went to them and said, you are messed up. You are jacked up. You need to change. And they all said, no, we don't like you, Jeremiah. They arrested him. They tortured him. They beat him. Uh, they sent him off. They just really messed with this guy. And we pick it up in the middle of this story. He's gone through a couple of kings with the same message. And we get to chapter 23, and it's like God in this moment just says, all right, I'm going to talk to the leaders for just a moment. And so Jeremiah gave this message. Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 1. And uh, I don't know what version you're in, but I read out of the New Living, so if you're following along, the NLT. It says, this, What sorrow awaits the leaders of my people, the shepherds of my sheep, for they have destroyed and scattered the very ones they were expected to care for. Therefore, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says to these shepherds. Instead of caring for my flock and leading them to safety, you've deserted them and driven them to destruction. Now I will pour out judgment on you for the evil you have done to them. And what they had done was a pretty big deal. If you've been a part of this series, you know some of the, it's just hard to even talk about it in church. We're gonna talk about it a little bit this morning, but it's really, honestly, it's hard to talk about what they were, what they were doing. It says, but I will gather together. Everybody say, but. But, that's the good news. Here comes the good news. I will gather together 
the remnant of my flock from the countries where I have driven them. I will bring them back to their own sheepfold and they will be fruitful and increase in number. Then I will appoint responsible shepherds who will care for them. They'll never be afraid again. Not a single one will be lost or missing. I, the Lord, have spoken. And then these next two verses are just amazing because these people didn't know what Jeremiah was getting ready to talk about was Jesus. He was getting ready to talk about the Messiah who was coming, talked about here in the scriptures well before Jesus came on the scene. Verse five, for the time is coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up a righteous descendant, that's Jesus, from King David's line. He will be a king who rules with wisdom. Now here's who Jesus is. If you are not a follower of Jesus, if you are new to church, just listen to this. This is the one part I want you to hear. This is who Jesus is. Listen, he does what is just and right throughout the land. This is who Jesus is. Whatever injustice you see in our, in our land, it ain't from Jesus. Whatever's going wrong, it ain't from Jesus. Anything that's going right, justice is taking place, Jesus is a part of that. Because that's he's the carrier of it, he's the creator of it. It says this, and this will be his name, the Lord is our righteousness. In that day, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. Let me pray for you and then you can get off your tired and weary feet, okay? Father, thank you for this chance to be in your house. Just We need to say thanks. We need to just give praise to you and honor to you. Man, how amazing is this, God, that we can just stop everything we're doing, everything we're doing. Ain't nobody here mowing their lawn. Ain't nobody in here checking out Stranger Things on Netflix. Ain't nobody in here sipping coffee at Starbucks. We are all here for you, that you might be glorified, that you might be honored for just just an hour or so in our week. That's pretty awesome. Thanks for creating this thing called the church. Now would you speak to all of us, we pray in Jesus' name. And if you're ready to hear from the word, give me a big go pokes. Okay, all right. Amen. No, um, hey, congratulations, Sooners, and congratulations. I, I didn't even know they won. I went to bed because I, need, I was like, if I stay up too late for this game, I ain't gonna be worth nothing. Um, but Congratulations. Uh, to you both. So, I, it's pretty well documented. I, I have a sick phobia. Um, I, I don't like to be around sick people. If you have even a hint of being sick, I don't want to be near you. Uh, and that's pretty well documented. And so, if you, if I ever come off kind of rude to you, that that's why I don't mean to be rude. But like, I quarantine my kids to their room, just all that stuff. I don't want to be around sick people. And I mean, so much so, like, if I hear somebody cough or sneeze, I mean, just, oh, man, anybody else like that? You're like, oh, why did you come to work today? Okay, there's five of us. Okay, the rest of you are normal. Like, I was in the office this week, and I was walking down the hall. Somebody, one of our staff members, who shall remain anonymous, was walking in front of me and went, <coughs> like this. And I just went, really? Because I was behind them, and I walked into the fog of sickness. And I was like, thank you very much. And now, now, I mean, I don't know if you can hear it, but I have something coming on. So, I mean, thank you so much to the birthday girl, Megan Spears. I don't want to give her name and shout her out publicly, but that could be why I'm not up to par right now, because I just have this sick phobia. Um, there's a really, uh, you know, this is cold and flu season, and there is a really bad virus going around right now. I don't know if you guys have heard of it, the EGR virus. Anybody? 
As some of you heard of these, some of you heard of these, some of you, many, you've not heard, I need to tell you about this, okay? You may need to write this down because you do not want, it, you do not want to catch this, okay? EGR, the extra grace required virus. Um, there are people in our lives that require extra grace, don't they? Like you see them coming and you're just like, oh, there they are. I mean, they're just, they, they bring strife, conflict, they tend to be negative, I mean, they are, um, there's not a whole lot of peace uh, when they're, they're around. They are the breakers of the peace. Like, and they're everywhere. Like when you, uh, if you got a kid that plays sports, they could be playing eight-year-old soccer and the EGRs are right there. Those parents, like you're, you've been there like sitting there, you're ready to enjoy the game. You're like, oh, Billy, this is so exciting. I'm so happy for you. Wee! Kick the ball, you know, get your participation trophy. Um, you know, <laughs> that's for another message. Uh, and then you see that one parent coming, and, and there's room on the bleachers next to you, <laughs> and you don't want them sitting by you, right? And you're like, honey, scoot over. Somebody scoot, scoot, scoot. Don't make room. And they see you. It's too late. They sit next to you, and they are the ones that are always complaining about the coach. They're always yelling at the ref, you know, not understanding that the ref is in junior high because it's an eight-year-old soccer game. Okay, and the coach is just a dad whose mom, who, who the wife made him do it, okay? I mean, it's just, and he doesn't really know anything about soccer, but you couldn't really do much better than them. And he's yelling at the coach, and then you, know, you ever do this? Like, he's yelling at the ref, what's wrong with you? Or it's the mom. Oh, soccer moms. Woo! What's wrong with you? And it never, never correct a soccer mom. Because if you got a soccer mom, you're like, well, actually, that was a pretty good call. What you know, EGRs. They're everywhere. They're at work. Like you're going to work. I mean, you already know. And if you don't know, you are the EGR. <laughs> but there's that person, they're always talking smack about the boss. And my boss is doing And my boss is doing And they're talking smack about coworkers, you know, like, oh, and they don't want to do And you know, when you're not around, they're talking smack about you. EGRs, they're just, they're, all, they're, they're on the campus where you're going to school, and they're, they're ragging on the professors, they're ragging on the, the, the papers they've got to do, you know what I mean? And they, it doesn't matter. They're just, they're, they're everywhere we go in life are these, these EGRs. Here's the thing about those of us that are followers of Jesus. Uh, we are carriers of peace. We are supposed to be the carriers of the peace of God. And so we have a responsibility to spread the peace of God everywhere that we go. And, and what we see here in, in Jeremiah chapter 23 is the, the leaders were EGRs. They, they, the leaders had, had disrupted and destroyed the peace in, in Jerusalem, which is really crazy because the name Jerusalem actually means city of peace. And they were disrupting the peace. So here, here's what I know about us at Core Church. Core Church is a city of peace. We are a place of peace. Can I get an amen right there? That's really good. That's a really good start to my sermon right there. I'm off to a good start this morning. I mean, come on, tell somebody right now, oh, he is really going to preach it today. I can feel it. I can sense it. He's going to bring it. He's going to bring it. This is a good one. No, we are, we are the carriers of that peace. We are, we are the ones who are responsible for it, and this is where people come to experience the peace of God. 
Like the world isn't going to deliver on it. You're not going to get it at work. You're not going to get it necessarily on your campus. You're not going to get it on the ball field. But you know when you come here, I can be infected by people of peace. That's why this is one of our core values. This is one of, one of our main four, top four things that we do is we gain peace as we renew our minds in relationship. Look, look back at Jeremiah, the first verse of chapter 23. And it says this, what sorrow awaits the leaders of my people, the shepherds of my people, for they have destroyed and scattered the very ones they were expected to care for. So, so God has placed these priests, these kings, um, these prophets, all in positions of leadership. And, and instead of um, taking care of the people, they were abusing their power. They were abusing the people. And we've talked about this over the past few weeks, but let me catch up to speed if you haven't been here. When I say they were abusing the people, that's just, uh, that doesn't, that barely touches what they were really doing. They were um, exploiting foreigners. Foreigners would come in, they'd make them build things, and then they wouldn't pay them. They were having sexual orgies all over the, the, the nation and even in the temple to other gods and calling it worship in the temples. They were worshiping other gods. They had ignored the, the, uh, the widows. The widows were just cast aside and in the streets and had to fend for themselves. The orphans, nobody cared about the orphans. You know what I love about this church? We care about the orphans here. We care about them. That's why we got together the other night and we, had, and we loved on some foster kids and some families. Can we give a big shout out and applause to those who came and gave their time for the foster kids? This is who we are. There's a foster care crisis in our state. We don't just sit idly by and go, hey, good luck to you. We get in the game. We put skin in the game and, and, and try to do our part and to make a, a difference. But they, they weren't doing that. Not only that, but they were also taking their own children and sacrificing their own children to false gods. We can't even fathom that. But other religions, that's what they did. The other religions, they thought, well, I'll appease the gods by sacrificing my firstborn. And so they started doing that. God's like, I never asked you to do that. So they were abusing their power. So as a pastor, as a pastor, I know that I'm a shepherd. I know that. And, and I don't, I mean, all kidding aside, all jokes aside, I do not, regardless of the jokes I make, and the goofiness things that happen here on this stage and just the things that you see in me, I don't take this responsibility lightly. I mean, I look at you and I realize that your very soul is in my hand. And I got to come out and I got to speak for God. And I'm just a guy. That's all I am. I'm just a guy. But for some reason, God has said, I'm going to tap you on the shoulder, Brad, and I want you to be a shepherd. And I'm going to give you a flock. And I need you to care for them the best you can. That's why I pray for you. That's why I'm always on my knees. That's why before I ever come out to preach, I, I find a place back in the back. I mean, even today, man, I'm telling, I can't, I'm like throwing the clothes on. I'm like trying, I'm like checking everything. Everything good? I think I'm good. All right, did I button right? I mean, it was a quick turnaround. And I got right there and I, boom, I just hit my knees real quick. All right, God, here we go. Because I want to be under his authority, and I, I want to be humble and understand that it, it's him that does the work. It's him that, that works through me. 
but it's not just all on me. Because as followers of Jesus, we all have a responsibility. See, when I was in, when I was in Israel earlier this year, the, the shepherds, uh, we got to see the shepherds actually out in the fields, which was really cool. Like you hear about them in scripture and then you see the shepherds and I was like, oh my gosh, there they are. And they had these massive flocks. And the larger the flock was, the more shepherds were working with the sheep. There wasn't just one shepherd. It wasn't one shepherd for all these sheep. It was, it was one main shepherd, but he had all these other shepherds that were guarding over all the flock and kind of keeping them all moving in, in the right direction. That's a picture of the church. That, that's who we are. God wants to raise you up. He wants you to be a shepherd. How, how do I know that? The Apostle Paul speaks about this. The Apostle Paul talks about it. He, uh, if you don't know who he was, the Apostle Paul came along after Jesus and he, Jesus said, you're gonna be my voice to the Gentiles, that's us, to the people outside the Jewish community, and you're gonna be the voice to them. So he started these churches all over the world. One of the churches he started was in this place called Ephesus. And, and he wrote this to the, to the church there. He said in Ephesians 4.12, their responsibility, and that's the pastors, that's, that's, that's me and the members of our staff, their responsibility is to equip who? God's people. Come on, turn to somebody right now and say, that's me. That, that's me. Come on, tell, tell somebody right now, that's, that, that's me. You are God's people, so I am responsible to equip you to do his work and what? Let's say this together. Build up the church, the body of Christ. If you're taking notes, and I know you are because you are just on fire, radically devoted Christians and followers of Jesus. So I know you all... I know you all write down. I don't even have to ask about that, but I want you to write this down, okay? I, I'm, I'm not just a sheep, but I'm also a shepherd. I, I'm not just a sheep, but I'm also a shepherd. Like, here's the thing. Coming to church is a really good thing. He coming in, come on, find three people right now, high five them, tell them, way to go, way to go to go. Three people right now. Way to go. You're doing the right thing, okay? Curtis, you did not high-five anyone. I'm busting on you, man. You didn't write down what I said. You didn't high-five anybody. Turn and give her a high-five right That's what I'm talking about right there. Full audience participation. All right? Goes much better. All right. I'm not just a sheep, but I'm also a shepherd. Coming to church is great. This is a win. You're grazing right now. You are grazing, and come on, this is some good grazing right now. You are grazing, and you are, you are learning, and you are growing, and you are feeding on this. You are feeding on the Word of God, and this is an important part of your spiritual growth. But, but if all you do is graze, you're going to get yourself in trouble. Because you weren't created to just graze. Because if all you do is graze, you begin to develop a, a consumer mindset. And, 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 and listen, when you develop a consumer mindset, it becomes all about me. Huh? That was pretty good right there. That's, uh, I got a bunch of those, so just strap in, okay? But when all you do is graze, you got your head down. You don't see anybody else around you, and it becomes all about me, and it's just feed me. I told you I got a bunch of these. I got, it's just feed me. And then what happens is, is you just become this, this consumer instead of a contributor, and then you're looking around, and you're just like, you're like, I don't like this grass. It's bad. I'm telling you, I got a bunch. 
But it just becomes all about me. When you become a consumer, then what happens to you is you become discontented and then you become disconnected, discontented and you become critical and then you become cynical and, and everything is not good. And that's not the way God created you. He, he created you to be an influencer. He created you not just for grazing, but he wants you to go from a consumer to a contributor, from a sheep to a shepherd. Now, when I, when I say that, I, I know that the vast majority of you, and I could see it in your eyes, you're like, oh, man, not me. I ain't no shepherd, dude. Uh-uh. I mean, that guy over there, that lady over there, and you know who they are, you're all pointing them out. You're like, this is good preaching for them. Oh, because they are a leader in our church. Oh, they're such a godly person. You just point them out. You know who they are, right? I mean, you see them. They're sitting near you. You know, I mean, some of you are like, well, it's obviously me. I mean, you're like... Okay, no, you're the one who's grazing. Uh, but we all, we all see that person. I, no, we, 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 can all, we can all shepherd. We're all called to be shepherd and shepherds, but we just feel like I'm not qualified. I'm not a, a pastor. I mean, Brad, honestly, before this series, I thought Jeremiah was a bullfrog. I mean, I just, I, I didn't know. Okay, I'm telling you, I have got so many of these. Are, these are good, okay? Feel free to tweet these out. Yeah, feel free to tweet it out. <laughs> but but we're all we're all in here's the thing, we're all influenced by someone. Now, you may realize that or you may not realize that. Do you know the reason you talk the way you talk is because you live in this part of the country. You can't help but start talking like the people that talk around here and way we just start moving our words. We just start this is how we talk, you know what I'm saying? This is how we do around here. <laughs> Everybody here understood what I said unless you're from out of state. Because it's how we talk. We're influenced. We're influenced the way we dress. We're influenced. Like, you see somebody, sometimes you're like, what are they, what is that? And you realize, oh, they're from California. Because we're influenced by, um, no offense to the Californians, I was born and raised there. It's okay, I got kids that live there. Uh, I mean, I'm just an equal opportunity basher. I will offend everyone at some point or another. <laughs> Hang around long enough. I'm proud to be your pastor. Where was I? Oh, yeah. All right, okay, so, so we all, though, um, we all understand that we, at least now you do, that you, wow, okay, I'm, people influence me. My friends influence me. Everything influences me. But did you know you can also be an influence on somebody? Now, that's the one we don't believe. I think we all can kind of wrap our heads around, okay, I kind of get it. I'm influenced by this. I kind of heard that before. I can understand that. I see that happening. But <laughs> not me. I can't be an influence on somebody. But let me just talk to those of you that are followers of Jesus. Because you think the only ones who can influence are the preachers and the staff and, and the, the you know, patriarchs of the church. They're the influencers. But you know that every single follower of Jesus can be an influencer. If you're a new believer, let me talk to you if you're a new believer. We have, I don't know, 30-some people or something that have made a commitment to follow Jesus, and they're a new believer uh, this, just this year. Um, let, me, so let me talk to you if you're here. Uh, you feel like, who can I? I can't influence Anybody. Did you know, though, that you can influence the, the non-believer, the person that doesn't know Jesus because you now know Jesus? In fact, if you've been following Jesus for six weeks or six months, do you know you can follow the, you can be an influence on the person that's been following Jesus for six minutes? Because you've already walked six weeks of the road. You've already walked six months of the road, and, and you, can, you can help this person, and you can show them, and you can be an influence 
upon their life. But you also need somebody that's influencing, influencing you. This is, you. You need somebody that's a little bit further ahead of, of you because you're like, I don't, I don't understand. I mean, I, I want to understand the word. I want to know the word, but I don't know. I, don't, I really honestly don't know, even know where Jeremiah is. I'm glad I have the app on my phone. That's the only way I could find it. If I had a paper Bible, I'd be in serious trouble because I'd probably be somewhere near Revelation. It would be awful. Now you're like, I didn't even know, is Revelation in the Bible? I didn't know that. Where is that? Is that in the front or the back? It doesn't matter. It's okay. If you're a new believer, it's okay. It's okay that you don't know. You gotta get around some people that, that do know because you can be an influence. Uh, they can be an influence on, on you. you. If you're a growing believer, now as a, as a growing believer, you, you're a little bit further along in the game. You're passionate about Jesus. You, you desire to be in his house. You, you, you want to read his word. You're trying to pray, and you're just trying to grow. But you're, you'd be honest. You'd be like, well, I, I, don't really, I don't really understand all this. I'm trying. Uh, fake it till you make it, you know. And you're just doing the best that you can. And you're like, who could I? I can't influence anybody. I don't understand any of this. You talk about it, Brad, and it just flows right out of you and makes sense to me. I could never, I could never do that. Do you know, as a, as a growing believer, you can influence the brand new believer? the person who is just new in their faith, and then you can be influenced by the uh, maturing believer, the mature believer. So there's mature believers. So if you're going, man, I don't understand all this, one of the best things you can do is like get in a core group. Just get in a core group, start rubbing shoulders. You know, I think one of the best things about core groups is that you have new believers, growing believers, and mature believers all, all together around the same table. And they're all helping each other. Now, if you're a, a new believer or a growing believer, it can be intimidating to be around the mature believer because they, if you're a mature believer, I mean, come on. Nobody has to motivate you to read the Bible. Nobody has to come to your house and go, hey, did you read today? Oh, thank you. I almost forgot. You just do it. Like you pray, you just do it. You just pray. You, giving, you don't need an offering bucket to go and buy or, hey, three ways to give. You don't even pay attention during the offering. I've had mature believers come to me and go, why do we even take the offering and why do we always say three ways to give? Why do we do that? Well, because you don't need it because you just do it. You're a mature believer. You just get it. You just give because you're so in love with Jesus. You just, you're so mesmerized by the glory of God. You've been following him for so long that you figured out, on my own, I screw it up. With Jesus, life goes good. And so you figured that out. So you're serving, you're giving, and you're just doing those things. And you can be an influence on the growing believer and, and the new believer. This is what I love about Carly. And I, which one's Carly? I can't remember. <laughs> oh, Carly's here. Okay, I was looking over here earlier. Sorry, Carly. That was awesome. Like, what a story. Abby's story. You, you lived this out. Like, here's Abby, and she's like, I don't know, I don't know. And you're like, well, you need to come to this. You need you Friday night, you need to be at my house on Friday night. Don't you be hanging out there, girl. I'm going to the party, girl. You know, and she's like, you know, um, it's okay. I've known Abby since she was little. I've known Abby since she was, and, and, and you, but you didn't give up on her, and you're just like, I'm, I want to be an influence. I want to be an influence. And you're like, I don't think I'm doing, I don't think I'm doing jag. She ain't listening. She ain't paying any attention to anything I'm doing. I'm, I'm trying to be, God, I'm trying. You're probably praying for her like crazy. You're probably praying like crazy for her. And Abby's over here going, you know, she's doing a little part thing. And, you know, um, that's how Abby dances, by the way. And, and then, I mean, just, this is not the best day ever for you. I mean, this is, just, this is just, I know this feeling. I've sat where you sat, and I've watched people that I've tried to influence, and I've watched them go into that water, come back up. It is, it is the best feeling. They're like, I'm a shepherd. 
Like, Carly, you're an, in, you're an influencer. You're, you're a shepherd. And, and now Abby, this is the cool thing about it. Here's the cool thing about it. Is that, so Abby is influenced, and she, she, is, she becomes a follower of Jesus. But now Abby is, is uh, leading these, these sixth and seventh grade girls and mentoring them. And so now she's influencing. She's a shepherd over sixth and seventh grade girls. You know what that means? That, that doesn't happen unless, Carly, you get in the game. You get in the game, and you say, I want to be an influencer. I want to be a shepherd. I want to do something. I want to make a difference. And then, then the, the, it's this ripple effect that just goes. Could you ever imagine that? that, that your influence would influence some 6th and 7th grade girls? And now 6th now and 7th grade girls are going to be raised up to do the, the same thing. This, 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 is, this is what we do. And if you're, even if you're a mature believer now, as a mature believer, I think you kind of get that idea of shepherding and, and you get that idea of influencing, but you also need a shepherd. You also need somebody who's influencing you. You don't get a free pass. Even as, even as your pastor, I know I have to have somebody mentoring me. I have to have somebody that's my friend that's coming alongside me. And um, about a year ago, uh, I've always had a coach or, or somebody that's a little further in the game than me. And about a year ago, I heard about a pastor in our community that was um, retiring. He had served this one church for about 30 years and uh, just done an amazing work, and I was mesmerized by his story. And so I just called him up, and I said, hey, could we go to coffee? And so we went to coffee, and it, we began this friendship, and I just told him, I said, man, I, I just, uh, just want to finish strong like you. I said, man, I'm just starting to pastor this church, and uh, 30 years, that's what I want. I want to pastor this one church for 30 years. How'd you do it? And you're still married. Your kids love you. Your kids like, like you. They come around. Really? Wow. Okay. Because my kids don't like me anymore. How do I get my kids to like me? Like last time we were, I was together with him, I said, tell me about your prayer life. Now that may be like, some of you like, why would you ask that kind of question? Because I don't have it all figured out. Because prayer is a discipline for me because there's times that I stumble that I, I don't pray like I want to pray and I, I don't do it when I want to do it and, and, I, and, I, and I slip and I fall and I go, okay. I, and I, so I said, hey, tell me about your prayer life. And so he began to tell me about his prayer life and he basically just said he tried the morning thing. It didn't work for him. And then so he waited until his kids and his wife would go to bed and he'd sit up. And then he said, he told me about sitting in this chair and the chair didn't work because he just fall asleep in the chair. And so then he said he began his practice of just sitting on the floor. And so he'd sit on the floor and, and, and do that. Now, don't go home and go, okay, I got to get a chair, I got to sit next to the chair, get the kids to bed. Listen, the point of that is just that I listened to him and I was like, okay, so he, he had a struggle in it and he was trying to work through it and he was trying to find what would keep him awake. Okay, I get that. And, and so I began to do those same things. See, we, we can all be an influencer. We are all being influenced and we can all be an influencer. So the, the leaders here, the leaders in Israel, they were shepherding pretty poorly I mean, that's pretty mildly not doing a good job at all. And Jeremiah 23, 2, it says this, instead of caring for my flock, this is God talking to them, instead of caring for my flock and leading them to safety, you have, say this with me, you've what? Deserted them. And you've driven them to destruction. Hey, hello, shepherding 101, don't leave the sheep. Hello. Kind of what you're supposed to be doing. Stay with, you're, you're the shepherd. You're supposed to stay with the sheep. Here's the thing about Christianity. Christianity is not a solo sport. Come on, turn to somebody and say, you were not supposed to do life alone. You were not supposed to do life alone. Now turn back to the person you didn't choose and say, will you be my friend? Will you be my friend? I'm kidding, that's kind of creepy. I'm kidding, that's creepy. Don't do that, okay? Uh, but the, this is why it's one of our core values. 
We renew our minds in relationship. And these leaders, these shepherds, they were supposed to be caring for the people, but they weren't caring for them. They just completely deserted them and gone their own way. See, the way that we show that we care is by showing up in each other's lives. That's how you show you care. You can't show that you care and unless you are present. You can tell people all day long, but if you're not there, it shows you really don't care. I was visiting with a friend of mine a couple weeks ago, ran into him at a coffee shop, and he was telling me a story about how he had, um, one of his friends had gone to Chicago to help transition his parents who were elderly into um, a nursing facility. And he said his friend called him from Chicago. He said, hey, how's it going? And he said, um, not good at all. And he proceeded to tell my friend that uh, when he got up there, his father went into the bedroom and shot himself, took his life. And my friend was just devastated, didn't know what to say, and just kind of prayed, fumbled through a prayer with him, and they got off the phone, and, and he's here in Tulsa, my friend's in Tulsa, and he said that he immediately uh, picked up the phone and called a couple of other friends that were connected with this guy, and, I, and three of these men got in a car and drove to Chicago. That day, got in a car, dropped everything they were doing, and drove to Chicago. Knocked on the door, and the guy said, what are you doing here? And he said, why, why would we not be here? You need us. This is, this is what we're called to do as the church. This is the, we're not supposed to be like these shepherds. We are supposed to be people who show we care by, by showing up in each other's lives. And let's just be honest, though. Often when somebody goes through a difficult loss or, or, or a difficult struggle, I don't know what to say. I don't know what, I don't, I don't know what to, to, to do. So, so what happens is we don't say anything. We don't do anything. We avoid the person. And that's one of the worst things you can do is abandon somebody in their moment of crisis. The thing you have to remember if you're a follower of Jesus, you're a carrier of the peace of God. You have the peace of God in you, and you carry that with you. And so you can show up in someone's life, and just by simply showing up, you don't have to say anything. You don't have to do anything. Just be present. And, and that presence of that friend will overwhelm them. You, you've experienced that, haven't you? Like when you've gone through a difficult time and people that you thought were your friends, they don't even call, they don't even talk, they don't even follow up with you, and you're like, do they even know what I'm going through? But then there's that one person and they just show up and they don't really say anything. That's interesting. You never remember when you're in the middle of a crisis and a friend shows up, you never remember what they said. You can never remember what they said. You just remember that they were there. And that's what we have to do as influencers. That's why we're the church. That's why we, we show up. That's why we are involved in, in each other's lives is because shepherding is influence and, and you can't influence unless you're present in someone's life. So God's pretty angry with these leaders. So he hands them over to the Babylonians who are crushing Israel at this time. But then God promises that one day he's gonna bring them back. And in verse four, he says this, then I will appoint, say this with me, responsible shepherds who will what? Care for them, and they will never be afraid again. This is who we are at Core Church. 
This is who we are. Come on, tell three people right now, this, this is who we are. This is who we are. This is who we are. We have a responsibility to care for one another. The world is not going to be the deliverer of peace. We've kind of figured that one out, haven't we? They're not going to be the ones that deliver the peace. So no, no. We are the carriers of peace. I don't know if you've, um, today it's so easy to get directions because you just put it into your phone and you just go wherever you want. But back in the day, uh, when they, anybody remember when they didn't have cell phones? Like it wasn't that long ago. It was only like a decade ago. Well, de- wow, that is a long time ago. A decade ago, but we didn't have, you remember, what, remember that your friend was the GPS. You remember that? Your friend was a GPS. And you're like, and if you, man, if you, you ever had that one friend, like they're not paying any attention that you're following them, I don't know where I'm going. And then, oh, I got it, man, just follow me. And then the light turns yellow, and what do they do? They accelerate <laughs> through the light. So what do you do in that moment? You accelerate <laughs> through the light. You run that bad boy, you're bleeding through that red light. Woo-hoo! And then, then you, know, you get pulled over, the officer's like, what are you doing? I was following my friend, he was on a yellow, he, okay, you may go, you may go. Back in the day, that, that's how it was because they knew where they were going and you needed to follow them. This is such a picture of, of the church. Like, this is what we're supposed to do. This is who we are, is, is that we are helping people get where they can't go on their own. Like, you have places you can't get on your own and you need somebody who can help you get there. And you have life experiences. You have things that have happened in your life that God wants to use in someone else's life. Some of you have been through divorce. You can come alongside the person that's been divorced. See, I've been married to Laura for 33 years, and and I have uh, counseled people that are going through divorce, and I've been there to help people that are going through divorce. And it doesn't mean just because you haven't gone through divorce you can't help that person, but I can tell you this. When I'm able to, to put them with someone who has experienced divorce, they know exactly what that feels like. They know exactly what that road is like, and they can help that person navigate that road. You, you, maybe you've dealt with depression. You, you know what it's like to, to not be able to pull yourself out of bed. I know what that's like. I, I, I went through a bout of depression in my life where the weight was so heavy, I, I couldn't even get out of bed. I would, I would sit at stoplights, and they would turn green, and I, I didn't move. And people are honking at me, and I don't even hear them. And so I have a heart for people that go through depression, and I know how to help them. I know what will lead them out. I know what will work, and I know if they'll stick to that, God will walk them out of that because God has walked me out of that, and I can say, follow me. And some of you have dealt with loneliness. You, you've been alone. There's been nobody there for you, or maybe you've dealt with abuse, or maybe addiction. You've dealt with an addiction, and you know you know the the. the stranglehold of that addiction, but you know how to lead somebody out of that. We, God wants to use those life experiences. He wants to take the, the junk in your life, and he wants to turn around, and he wants to make it good so that you can help others to lead them out of what it is that they are, they're struggling with. So Jeremiah finishes up in verses 5 and 6 here, and he talks about how God's going to raise up another shepherd, and he says this, he will do what is just and right. And we know that Jeremiah here is he's talking about Jesus. 
Jesus himself, when he came, he said, I am the good shepherd. So here's the thing about shepherding is you'll never know how to be a good shepherd apart from the good shepherd. That one of the things we have to avoid, you should never try to shepherd someone else unless you're being shepherded by the good shepherd. We need to be men and women that are, that are being shepherded by Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, my question is, man, am I, am I in the word? Like, am I, am I listening to God? Am I, am I on my knees and seeking God for direction in my career and in my family and my finances, God, and how you could help me to be an influence? And who today, God, who today do you want to put me in front of? Who today can I be an influence for? I mean, are you listening to God when, when somebody is in a crisis or a struggle or a difficulty Are you stopping for a moment and saying, okay, God, I don't have what it takes, but you do. Would you just tell me right now what it is you want to say to this person? Because here's the thing. Jesus has the cure for EGR. Jesus has the cure for the EGR virus. He says this in John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. It is only in a relationship with Jesus that we can truly find peace and be people of peace. So we're going to pray here in just a moment, but what what is it that God is speaking to you about today? Maybe for you today, you're not a follower of Jesus. You're like, man, I need that peace. (laughs) My life's a wreck. I could use some peace. Here in a moment, we're going to pray, and I promise you, that fast, you're going to experience the peace, peace of God. The Holy Spirit is going to overwhelm you. I don't know how he does it. I don't understand it all. But I do know if you pray and you ask him for peace, you're going to sense the peace of God here in just a moment when we pray. Some of you today, you're like, man, Brad, I'm doing a whole lot of grazing. I want to change. <laughs> man, I want, I, I, I want to be a shepherd and I want to be an influencer, but it's, it's just kind of intimidating to me, to be honest. It's kind of intimidating. I don't know everything about the word. I don't know all the answers. I don't, it's, it's okay. This is what God wants to teach you. God wants to teach you. And all you have to do is say yes to him. I want to change. I mean, I want to be an influencer. I want my life to count. I want to be like Carly. I want that story. I want that. Is that you today? I want that. I want my life to count. Man, I want to know at the end of the day, when I look back at my day, it wasn't just about spreadsheets and digging stuff and putting things together. But man, there was that one person and I... I just had a moment and I got to speak something over them or pray with them. Or Man, I want to be counted. I want to be an influencer. I want to know at the end of my life that my life mattered. That it wasn't just about bills and it wasn't just about trying to get ahead. But man, I, my prayer for you as your pastor and as your shepherd that one day you will lay on your deathbed and you will look back and you will have no regrets that you will look back and say, praise be to God, I influenced some people. Praise be to God, the world's a little better place because I was in it. That is how we are to live as followers of Jesus. That's what this church is about. This is the kind of people that he has called us to be.